Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Everybody, welcome to another new episode of Undying Light. I'm your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at you once again with another new episode. Uh, barring some technical difficulties with my Windows machine, I have thankfully installed Logos on my Mac long time back. Uh, in case of an emergency such as this, where uh, my Windows machine decides to update OS versions overnight and wipes out all of my previous files. Don't know where they're at. They're not on my computer. That's awesome. So, thanks a lot, Windows. You guys are the greatest. So, now I'm going to just switch over and use my Mac. And I got Logos on here, which is wonderful. So, with all that, we are going to dig into uh, the Gospel of Matthew. This is now the 12th chapter. And we are going to look at uh, Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath. And then, depending on time, we might look at the, uh, the man with the withered hand. So, uh, I'm going to kind of give some some kind of uh, updates to some people. I'm going to shift around the recording dates a little bit. So I may end up recording these now on Sundays. Uh, I hope so. It's pretty late. It's Thursday, uh, the day before this is supposed to be released. But this week has been absolutely crazy, and I've been gone every single day. And I'm going to be gone here this afternoon. So uh, i got to get it done now in the hopes that we can uh, get the show rolling and and sent out to everybody. Um, but I'm going to try and do it Sunday afternoons. Uh, that will be my patron and um, public podcasting. So I'll have the episode for the patrons, which is the Genesis series. Uh, we are working on coming up with a Bible study, and it looks like they're leaning towards a prophet. I'll have to double check and see if there's any changes since I last looked, but it looked uh, pretty uh, focused. And I'm sorry, not a prophet. Um, Oh my goodness, what was it? Was it a wisdom book, maybe? No, it was, um, oh geez, I don't even know now. Now I'm drawing a big blank. Now I have to go look, because now I'm really curious at what it was that they were voting. Um, like what their top one was. And so we gotta, let me get into my patron here. I'm gonna drag my feet on this one for a couple of seconds. And, dun, 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 patrons... Uh, Books of Wisdom is currently in the lead, so uh, that's 
what we might be looking at. Uh, we could be doing Job, Ecclesiastes, whatever. Uh, they decide, but Books of Wisdom is currently leading, so that could be another private Bible study that we do for them. So uh, just some things, like I said, that I'm working towards uh, trying to build out for for them as an incentive to help support this ministry and uh, just a means at which I can give back uh, to this group of wonderful people who have come alongside me. Funny enough, another side story, uh, I posted a link on Instagram the other day and I had shared um, a post of just a common or created story and it was around the patron thing and you know I was just saying hey you know this is what we're doing and I was kind of I don't want to say I was hyping it up but I was giving some background um, to it and talking a little bit about what it is that uh, um, you know we'll be doing with the bible study and the private podcast and all that and this guy happens to respond. He goes, ha ha, buying into a Bible study? Really? I'm like, dude, it's just a perk. Get over it. Your action's not mine. I said, you know absolutely nothing about what I do, apparently. And then he goes, translate that. You really speak from a level of authority and sound hurt. I'm sorry. And he goes on to just be kind of a jerk about it. And here's the thing. Uh, you could have easily passed over the post, not said anything. You could have shrugged it off and moved on. You could have even unfollowed me, but you chose not to. And you chose to, you know, in turn, just be kind of a jerk in my DMs. And, you know, hey, teach their own. I don't sit out here and force you to, um, uh, to, to support this ministry. I don't force you to follow me. I, you know, whether you do or not, that's on you. I, I'm not out here making... You know, tears and selling all sorts of different things around scripture. I set it up as a dollar a month. If you want to support this cause, then by all means. If you don't, it doesn't matter to me. And uh, But you know what? You're never going to please everybody. There's always going to be salty people out there, and they're going to think that all I'm doing is trying to make a buck off the gospel. Uh, I'm a preacher. That's my entire life. <laughs> it's what I do for a living is preach the gospel, and I get paid for it. So you could take your hypocrisy and, and you know, leave. So, anyways, uh, yeah, so just some, some ranting and uh, rabbit hole trails that I, you know, haven't gone down in a few days. So, let's get into the text, uh, Matthew chapter 12, and uh, beginning the first verse here is we've got, At that time Jesus went out through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck the heads of wheat, or the heads of grain, and eat. But the Pharisees saw it, and they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. But he said to him, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, he entered into the house of God and ate the bread of presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only the priests. Or have you not read in the law on how the Sabbath, the priests and the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? For the Lord is the Lord of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man who we've identified as Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Lord. We've identified that fairly quickly. And that being that, he would also be the Lord of the Sabbath. So that's pretty common connection there. So the Pharisees uh, resume their fault-finding. This goes back from chapter 9. 
Uh, they seem to pick out everything that is wrong with Jesus and his followers, and they use the law of Moses to uh, to, to lay the law down. They use they, they use Moses as a means to justify their actions and their works. And in the law, Moses it forbids all forms of work on the Sabbath, and this includes harvesting of grain. And this is written in Exodus 34 and Deuteronomy 5, which the Pharisees accused the disciples of doing, harvesting, right? So the, the way the pharmaceutical laws were, were kind of sculpted, if you would, around uh, the Sabbath was that you had to prepare everything the night before. So if the Sabbath is on Saturday, everything had to be done Friday, all the food preparation, all of the chores, everything had to be done on Friday because on Saturday you're not allowed to do anything. That includes walking through the grain field and picking up uh, heads of grain and eating it because they would consider that to be harvesting. And you would have to then uh, turn around and have to go and pay some sort of uh, sin offering for your violation of the Sabbath. And uh, but, you know, the, the Pharisees, as always, are trying to pick, uh, find fault and pick away at Jesus, and they're trying to find ways to uh, exploit him and make him look like he is this awful person that they think he is when we know who Christ really is. And so they try to do all these little tips and or these little tricks and these, you know, try to find a way to trap Jesus. And yet he never is. And he even allows himself you know, to, to make them think down the road here as we get into the later end of Matthew that he's arrested and that they won. But in reality, Christ won and they didn't. So interestingly enough, that's always uh, fun to get into that. And it would be kind of fun to read perhaps some of those um, Pharisees' thoughts around the death and resurrection of Jesus and what it did to that first century uh, culture of Israelites. So Jesus is accused of violating the Sabbath because they have plucked more than three grain heads of uh, off of the grain as they are walking, and that would have been considered harvesting because now you're actively gathering in more than one or two. And Jesus replies, well, have you not read what David did? Jesus is citing a biblical example familiar to the Pharisees in order to claim authority as great as Israel's greatest king. David demanded five loaves of bread from the priest at the tabernacle in Nob, a village just east of Jerusalem. Uh, the bread of presence only made for the priests. These are 12 sacred loaves that were placed before the Lord every Sabbath as a thank offering and were to be eaten only by the priests. However, only this holy bread was available to David and his men, so they ate it. Jesus, the son of David, likewise allowed that it was allowed that it was more important on this occasion for his followers to eat than to rest on the Sabbath. And we'll, we'll see that here, you know, kind of the way Jesus engages with the Pharisees. He'll pose these questions. Is it not lawful to do good on the Sabbath? In fact, that's what we'll see in the next caption because we're still on the Sabbath day. Is it not lawful to do good? Is it not lawful to take care of yourself? That's what Jesus is getting at. And we, the, the Pharisees have made such a rigorous law surrounding rest that they have, you know, kind of pushed back against the, the whole premise of 
what rest actually looks like and taking care of oneself and recuperating and being fed and being nourished and things of that nature. And so this is why there was such a haste around building out your Friday evenings and making your making sure that you're ready for Saturday and making sure that you have all of the food prepared and you have no issues with having to quote unquote perform work on the Sabbath. But as always, the Pharisees little trap fails on Jesus. And so he turns and provides a very real biblical example of David essentially violating temple law, violating the rules that uh, have been established with the law of Moses and David and his men ate. And Jesus is saying it is more important to eat than to rest on the Sabbath. And, you know, there's the argument can be had eating to a point of gluttony, but eating for fulfillment, nourishment and uh, is, is more important than rest. You can rest all you want on the Sabbath. That's given. But you should also eat and eating allows you to rest better. Eating allows your body to recover and get healthy. All right, let us move on. Let's look at the next verse here in verse 5. Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath, the priest, or how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? To fulfill their religious duties of offering sacrifices, priests were required to work on the Sabbath. Their worship, <clears throat> their worship responsibilities took priority over the Sabbath. And that's an interesting thing I've always kind of found around the Jewish construct is how legalistic the Pharisees are, yet they're the ones, and the, the at least the temple priests, were the ones who actively had to work. And so, according to the Pharisees, they would be in violation of the Sabbath day, just as Jesus and his disciples here are. And yet, they never say anything to that, because that's what, you know, that's how worship was constructed in Leviticus. And so, they go, you, know, you can go all the way back and read through the Torah, and you will see how all of those things and all uh, the worship practices came into play. And you will see how it became a kind of a common practice for the Pharisees to pay witness to the temple priests and do this. And Jesus says they were profaning the Sabbath because of their actions. They were working, providing sacrifices. And yet nothing's ever said about them. It's only about, you know, those that you can control. And I think that's a big thing and that the Pharisees really had kind of their eyes set on was control. It was a presence of authority. It was the, you know, the mindset that we uh, are better than everybody else and everybody else must listen to us type thing. And it sounds like some people in our government here in the United States. Um, anyways, let us continue to move on into verse 6. Jesus is greater than even the temple in its worship. His comparisons uh, in, ver in verses 3 through 5 are making that case for us. So Jesus makes a statement that he is greater than the temple. He will even tell uh, the Pharisees and the crowds, if you strike this temple down and in three days I will raise it up again. They think he's talking about the actual physical temple. Jesus is talking about his body as the temple. And so we see that as Christians that now our bodies are the new tabernacle. And this is where the Holy Spirit of God rests within us. And so in our in our body, we have the Spirit of God, and that is how we know and can distinguish and recognize our sinful behaviors. doesn't mean that you're perfect. And, you know, there's even an interesting, again, another side 
tangent here. There's an interesting discussion on whether uh, the Holy Spirit dwells uh, indefinitely in a believer. And while I believe the Holy Spirit, just as God the Father and God the Son, are, uh, um, are everywhere at one time, I'm forgetting one of the omnis that it is, omnipresence. And uh, so they're omnipresent in and with all of the believers. They're at the table at, on Sundays with the Eucharist. They're present everywhere. And interestingly enough, uh, I hear these debates of, you know, the Holy Spirit not always being with believers. And I think that's one of those things. It's like, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't, while the Spirit of God may rest upon us, it's not a continual thing because there's going to be times when we need to call and pray and ask, you know, for that wisdom for the Holy Spirit to provide guidance. And you'd think if the Holy Spirit was with us 100% of the time, we'd never have to pray those types of prayers, but we do. And so just kind of an interesting thought and something I guess I can go down in a kind of a rabbit hole and trying to uh, understand is, is even for believers, it's not a continual factor to have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, you know, in us all the time. And so there's times when we don't and we are sinning and we have to turn and, and cry out to God for forgiveness of that. So anyways, that's just a side tangent because really what it focuses on is now the body, the new temple, being the human body, being the believer, this is where the Spirit of God can now come. And it is not going to be kept into a building. It's going to be in the hearts of all believers, not isolated to one central location in the part, one part of the world that everybody has to flock to, but in all believers. And this is why the beautiful passage, and again, we can, we'll, we'll rightly decipher it, but it can, we, can, we can use it in this fashion that when we're two or more gathered, uh, there Christ will be. Now, knowing that that passage is generally talking around um, discipline and church discipline, things like that, that's still rightly attributing to the fact that when people gather together, the Spirit of God is present. And we see that throughout uh, the whole church age. So, moving on to verse 7, we talked about the mercy and uh, not sacrifice uh, pretty heavily in an earlier passage, in fact, I just preached a sermon on mercy and uh, went through that passage in Matthew chapter 9. So the people in Hosea's day put a greater priority <clears throat> on offering sacrifices than on the steadfast love of the heart. The Pharisees provided or prioritized the details of the Sabbath law over mercy. So this concept of mercy, this principle of mercy, over sacrifice and the authority that uh, Jesus shielded his disciples from guilt. And Jesus makes this statement, you know, a few times here in the passages. And I think it really is a great echoing of the purpose behind Christ, not to come in and demand more sacrifices or more offerings or demand more work, but he's coming to show mercy and, and show compassion and show love when the Pharisees have never really quite understood or wrapped their heads around that. And so the Father has handed all of these things over to Christ, as 11.27 tells us. The Son of Man is now the Lord of the Sabbath. That has been extended. And it's well for us, again, to be reminded that Christ, God, gave us the Sabbath for rest, not for some sort of legalistic binding 
peace. It was given to us for rest. And that is the whole point to the Sabbath. It's a day to just relax. So, uh, unfortunately, I have to cut it short today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm having a lot of technical difficulties. If you haven't really picked up yet, the sound in this episode is not going to be up to par of what it was in the past. I've got a lot of technical issues on both of my computers here. And it is incredibly frustrating to have to record for 30 seconds and then pause because my Mac just can't keep up with me. And so I'm going to cut it short. This is the shortest episode I've ever done. I'm very sorry for that. I promise to be back next week. We'll be back on track. So thanks for tuning in. If you were able to stomach it this far, uh, I pray you guys have a great week. We'll see you all later. God bless. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of Undying Light. If you did enjoy this episode, then consider joining us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. That means $1 per month will get you access to everything that we do behind the scenes. That includes early releases podcast episodes, bonus episodes that will never be released to the public, teaching videos, Bible studies, sermon notes, and anything else that may arise during the time, as well as early access to my book. That also entails that if you are a patron, when I complete the book, you will get a free copy of that said book. So that is just a few of the things that we do here at Undying Light, and we would greatly appreciate if you come and join this community. You'd have access to our chat groups on Instagram and our Discord channel where we keep everybody up to date and have wonderful conversations spanning the plethora of information. So $1 a month gets you full access to all of that. You can buy a whole year up front and get access for just about $10 and change, and that gives you 12 months uninterrupted access to Undying Light. The other promo I would like to share with you is Logos.com. You can get yourself a copy of this wonderful Bible software. You can download it free and uh, go in and just choose and purchase the books that you want, uh, whether you want a study Bible or just a couple commentaries. But the app itself is a wonderful program and allows me to quickly move through content without holding me up. I can search and find all of the available resources in my library that talk about whatever topic that I'm covering and I can draw from it, and I can read through it, and I can have all of it right in front of me. In fact, as I'm recording this, I have my study Bible open with my ESV Bible open, and generally I'll have the Book of Concord open and probably some of Luther's lectures or his uh, commentaries or anything else that he may have written, maybe even sermon notes, things like that, up on the screen. Those tools are wonderful in helping you study. On top of all that, this is not an app just for theologians and pastors, but it can be used for anybody and everybody at any walk in their life. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ, this app can help benefit you. So logos.com forward slash undying light. You'll get yourself some discounts on packages where it will come designed to your specific denominational view. If you're Lutheran, you can get the Lutheran package. If you're Baptist or Reformed or Calvinist or Anglican or Catholic, 
or Jewish, you can get all of those packages at a discounted rate through that link. So you can find all that information in the show notes, as well as anything that pertains to fitness and health, as that is a, another mantra to my life. And if you have any questions on that, feel free to DM me. So thanks again, guys. Have a great day. God bless. We'll see you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.